Hey guys, welcome to the Success Looks Like You podcast, Sly Speaks Careers, bringing you the best of the UK black talent and we're spilling the tea on all things careers. I'm your host, Mwila, founder of Success Looks Like You. Welcome to episode 10 of the podcast. Who do we have on the show today? Hello, kings and queens. Jonas Andrew Philip here. I'm a public speaker and workshop facilitator and event host. I'm 18 years old. And right now, I have aspirations to become an entrepreneur. However, currently, I'm studying a business administration apprenticeship. And I'd like to say it's an honor to come on. Thank you so much for bringing me on. Thanks, Jonah. My name is Emma. I'm a student. I'm 18 years old. And I'll be going into university this year. I... I'm very interested in electronic engineering, especially the sustainable use of electronics in engineering. I'm also a tech blogger and I talk a lot about that on my blog. And my specific interests in tech are diversity in tech as well, because I think there's a lot that can be done to encourage more black people to get into tech. Amazing. Thanks, Emma. I'm uh, super excited to have you both on the show. In the first episode of the podcast, I talk a lot about the fact that that we're not promoting our strong black role models. And and I think that you two as young people strike me to be the type of young people that I think will grow up to be role models and grow up to to be leaders in your respective fields. And I really wanted to get you um, on the show today to talk about, you know, really what's the impact of covid on the younger generation what are people like you doing to keep your mental health your um skill set sharp how are you uh, coping in the season but also to hear a little bit more about both your personal projects and how other people can get involved and connect with you so uh without further ado we're going to jump straight into this episode starting off with younger self-advice so you guys are a little bit younger than my guests normally so i want you to think about Looking back at um, just before starting secondary school education or just about when you were approaching maybe GCSEs, what would you have told yourself about the world, about education, about anything? What would be your younger self-advice? And if we could start with Emma, please. If I could maybe go back to when I was in year seven all the way through to year 11, I think I would tell myself that can be you too. I always like to look at what people have made. I've always been interested in anime and I think I really loved the movie Big Hero 6 and like seeing the robot he made was so cool. And I remember thinking like, I wish that could be me. And I would now tell myself that can be you too. Like you can make that. Mm, That's good. Jonas? I'd say channel your energy. Because a lot of the time when I was younger, I got in trouble because of my mouth. And nowadays my mouth is what gets me opportunities and is what's inspiring other people that listen to my content or watch my content on my Instagram channel. So I tell myself, I tell my, I go up to myself and tell myself, right now, the fact that you're standing up for yourself and other young people and your peers is good. It's good that you're doing that. You have that activist, that entrepreneur in you, Jonas. All you need to do is understand that you're not going to win against the teachers because they're in authority. So you need to make sure that that's great, Jonas, but what can you do right now? to make it so that school's amazing for you. Because that school can get you a lot in the future. You just need to know how to channel it effectively. 
Yeah, that's good. That's good. I love it. You guys are starting straight off the bat with the fire. Let's keep it coming. So I want to talk a little bit about both of your personal pursuits. So Emma, you've talked about having a tech blog, you've talked about an interest in engineering. Can you tell me, you know, how does a a young black girl um, spark an interest in tech or engineering? Where has that inspiration come from for you? Actually, to get into that, I'd have to tell you my story. And it's a short one, but um, I'll get into it. <laughs> I'm a Nigerian. And um, I don't know if this is the case for all Nigerians, but I know that for some Nigerians, it is the case. My parents always groomed me to be a doctor. And um, I do, I like I like medicine. I find it so interesting, but it's not what I'm supposed to be doing. I, I don't like how blood looks. I'm, I'm not interested. That's not how I roll. But um I kind of wanted to go about it. And then I think when it was time to choose my GCSEs, I remember computer science was an option. And I think the computer science teacher, he sat us all down and he showed us these pictures of these four great guys. We had Bill Gates, we had Mark Zuckerberg, we had some other people. And he was like, what have all these people got in common? They made something really amazing with code and now they're all rich. And it sounds very shallow, but I wanted to be rich when I was like 14. So I was like, you know what, let me just go and do this, you know. So I got into um, computer science that way and I chose it for my GCSE. And I think the language we were taught is Python. And I found as we were going through it, I was actually quite good at Python. And my computer science teacher, we thank God for him, was really pushing me. So I was getting better quite quickly. And then one of my teachers suggested that I apply for an art scholarship, which is an engineering scholarship. So I applied for that. I made a stress detector and that was the first time I'd ever made any project, but I just really wanted to prove to myself that I could make something. And that was actually successful. And I made the stress detector. And that was also the same time I started off my blog. And originally it was just to document my research and other stuff that I was doing. But as I've gone on along the years, I've actually seen a lot of like, my younger sister's friends who actually come up to me being like, that's so cool what you did. I want to get into engineering too, but I don't know anyone who will mentor me or help me. And a part, a part of me hurts because it's like, you can do it too. But I think that's why like my passion for getting young people into tech, especially young black girls into tech is so important because there's not a lot of representation in that field. Yeah, that's amazing. And so tell us a little bit about, you know, tech. Do you have to be somebody who is academic and like what A-levels did you choose and, and what are you going to study at university? Um, well, to answer the first question, I don't think you have to be academic strictly, no. I think there's a lot of people who have no academic background who've made really, really amazing things. But as for me, my education really did help. While I was in sixth form, obviously I'm not now because coronavirus, I studied um, maths. It's getting real. It's getting real. (laughs) I studied studied maths, further maths, physics and computer science, which is a bit of a deathly Mm -hmm. combo, I'm not going to lie. But um, (laughs) it was very interesting. The computer science did help me a lot. So did physics. And further maths was actually very helpful too. It's not what you have to do, but I would say definitely for anybody who wants to get into engineering in the future, further maths is quite an important A-level to have. And I'm going into university to study engineering as well. I was going to do, I think, electronics engineering specifically, but I kind of like having a board-based engineering degree in which I can specialise in maybe third or fourth year. Yeah, amazing. Thank you. It's so cool to hear your your story and the fact that at 18, you're already 
a champion and an advocate for getting more black girls like you into tech and engineering. Super cool. Um, so Jonas, to you, to tell us a little bit more about kind of your journey, how you've arrived at being an international speaker, workshop facilitator. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to hear you speak at a couple of things and I know that you're good at what you do. So how have you developed your craft? Thank you. Thank you. So I'd say I'll do this briefly. When I was younger, I'm not going to lie. Somehow I was just naturally, I'm not sure if it was natural or I, cause I got tuition when I was like four, when I was four, I started and I was in top set in reception year one and year two. And it got to year two and I was a, a really, really nice kid when I was younger. And then I had a teacher in my, in, that was teaching me at the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not like she was just gunning for me at the time for some reason, cause I didn't get on with another pupil and the pupil's mum worked at the school. So I don't know what that was about. Me and the people are friends now. We've been friends since secondary school now. But ever since then, I kind of had quite a lot of anger in me because I was like, why is it always Jonas, in it? So I used to get in trouble. Then in year two, I started getting in trouble in school, getting kicked out of lessons and all of that. I was really the bad kids. And they tried to say I have a disability, which wasn't true and all that stuff. And I got to secondary school and I said to myself, let me, let me be a new Jonas. And the same thing would happen because the people that went to my primary school went around and told people, oh, Jonas is a bad kid, Jonas is a bad kid, but what might be had that reputation. And that followed me throughout secondary school. And then when I got to year eight, my mom put me in contact with Urban Synergy, which is a mentoring organization. And at first I was sitting in the corner of my hood up and I was, I was I'm not trying to nobody here. And then someone came over to me and I was like, I'm not talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I don't want to be here right now. So then... I ended up taking my hood. I can't remember who. Someone spoke to me and I was like, cool, let me let me listen to what they got to say. And then a few, the day after that, I actually got hit by a car and a taxi. Oh, wow. wow. And yeah, a lot of stuff was going on. And then it got to year, nearly the end of year eight and I got a mentor called Gordon Greer and he, he really helped me during the time. And then when it was time to end the mentoring, my mum came and said, Jonas, I want to put you in contact with the 100 Black Men of London because you're ending with Urban Synergy. And I was like, I'm not doing that. No way. And then Gordon was like, Jonas, you've made progress in your nine, but you're still getting in trouble. So you got, you need, uh, you need more black men around you that will support you. So I was like, okay, I'll go to the taster thing. I went to the taster thing, did the same thing, sat in the corner with my hood up. This was year 10 Jonas now. And then someone, the, the person in charge, the president of the 100 at the time, Collar, came to me and he's like, come man, get involved. And I was like, because I have no confidence back then. So I was like, I'm not getting involved with anybody. Because I used to get bullied quite a lot for being dark skinned skinny not having my dad around so it really took a toll on me and throughout my life I was used to losing all the time so there was an award at the end of every session called Diamond of the Day which is basically the best mentee of the day just who's putting the most effort in and because I'm now winning stuff I was like let me come here and try to have a good reputation because I don't have it anywhere everywhere else I go I end up getting a bad one so let me try with this one you know, ever since at that point I was just taking myself out of my comfort zone in the sessions and talking and legit when I was stood up and talked it felt like I was losing breath. That's how scared I was. And then every session, I thought, okay, cool. I'm, I've won Diamond of the Day. It's cool. And I'd never won it. So I was like, okay, I'll keep coming back. I'll keep coming back. I'll keep coming back. And it started getting on my nerves toward the, towards the end, but I kept going. And then in 2017, mid-2017, they had the award ceremony. And they said that Diamond of the Year is me. And that was like a surreal moment. And I was like, this is the first award I'm actually winning in my life. Mm-hmm. Then I, I started public speaking. They, t- they took us to a conference and they said, Jonas, I want you to speak. So I was like, what do you mean I have to speak in front of 300 people? What are you talking about? I was like, mm-hmm. I don't want to do it, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I might as well. So I did it. And I, after I did it, I was like, 
okay. Mm-hmm. So then more people were like, Jonas, you got to speak more. And I was like, no, I'm not speaking more. I'll do one speech at this event, at the next event, but I'm not, I'm not hosting it because they wanted me to host it. But then they were like, come on, you have to do it. So I was like, cool, I'll do it. I did it. And then I was like, let me take public speaking a bit more seriously now. The whole facilitating came into play. And I started doing my Instagram. It's just been consistent since then. And I left my, my I was in sixth form. I left my sixth form in summer to get an apprenticeship. Yeah, it's just been, that's how it came to today. Yeah. And, and what would be your advice for somebody who is having a similar experience to you, who's having a bit of a tough time in, in education, maybe not uh, taking lots of L's, not winning in much? Like, What would be your advice? Like, What's got you through to, to be the Jonas that you are now? Just stay true to yourself. Just stay true to yourself. I had a growth mindset before I even knew what a growth mindset was. Mm-hmm. Though I would get angry at times, it was valid. I still had a growth mindset, and I said to myself, "Everyone else is saying I'm a bad kid, but am I really a bad kid?" It's a lot of times people will say stuff just to put you down, but you need to say to yourself, "Am I really that?" I'm gonna take essence of what a beautiful person is. If they don't accept it, I'm not gonna take their advice because at the end of the day, if you're not gonna, if someone, if you wouldn't take advice from someone, you shouldn't take criticism from them. Say to you, shoot yourself. Stay resilient and sometimes just step back. Yeah, yeah. And and Emma, what would be your advice to a young person that's in a similar position to you? So I know uh, before we started recording, you had talked about how hard you had prepared for your A level, A levels, your coursework, your exams, and you know you're going into university basically having online lectures. Like, what would you? What would be your advice to somebody who's in a similar position to you? I would say. Um... Take it easy, but don't take it too easy. I think there's the danger of doing too much, getting so scared and making a period in which I guess is almost a well-deserved rest, very regimented and doing a bit too much. And I think obviously it's good to have some sort of structure, but don't burn yourself out. And I see a lot of people doing courses, myself included, and that is so good, but make sure you incorporate time for yourself. But then on the flip side, don't do too little. I think you can fall into the danger of being video gamer person, the Netflix all day person. And you know, that's fine. You have your days. You want to do that. That is absolutely like, I'm not judging you, but that is not every day, you know, like I think it's, we have some, we have a time that we're never probably going to get again, like six months for most of us being able to just sit at home and be productive or not be productive like it's up to you but I just think especially for myself I don't want to come out of this period with nothing to gain or have have nothing gained and I think that's probably the same for a lot of other people so I think it is such a good opportunity to be productive but don't do too much or too little yeah sound advice and I think if you can crack that balance you know at 18 19 20 that to me is a massive achievement because even in you know our 20s and 30s still trying to find that balance between doing enough whilst giving yourself rest and and I'm reminded of a quote that we posted on our success looks like you Instagram page that was it says finding the balance between hustle and flow and it you know that's a really careful balance that you have to strike and and I think you know your advice really speaks to that basically so let's talk about um, the impact of COVID-19 on you guys personally and then also on the younger generation on young people as a whole. So Emma, I'm going to get you to start. Tell me what's been the impact of 
the coronavirus outbreak, the lockdown, the quarantine, the social distancing on you personally? For me personally, I'm not going to lie. I think in many social spheres, I'm quite an introvert. So this was kind of a nice time for me to just kind of be what I am and do what I normally do, just kind of stay at home anyway. But um, I think when it becomes like a enforced rule that you must stay at home is a bit different. And not being able to see my friends and commune with them is kind of strange because it's not even like I can see them all the time. And a lot of things that I would normally include as part of my regimen is like going out. For example, I go to church every Sunday. Can't do that anymore because can't go out and public gatherings are banned. But I do think it has forced me to incorporate some sort of structure into my life. I don't like being an aimless person. So I think this current, this quarantine has forced me to implement structure. So for example, now when I wake up, I try and I don't go on my phone. I really try to spend time kind of, I like to read my Bible in the morning and I like to pray for like maybe 30 minutes to an hour. And then I start my day. And I, I think it's also forced me to learn a lot more new things. I've been doing a lot of work experience, like virtual work experience. I have learned how to braid. So now nice. I can braid my own hair. I can braid my sister's hair. You can no braid my hair to pull too. my hair. Yes, <laughs> sis, you know. And um, it's actually it's been such a nice time to be able to upgrade myself. But I also think it has taught people that a lot of what we do in person can be done remotely. Like, I think it was Twitter who said that from now on, all their employees can choose to work from home if they want to because they've seen that it's worked so well. And I just think it would be wise if a lot of other companies employed that too because it would be a lot better for the environment if that worked and it would just be a lot easier if that worked too. So I think it's been an eye-opening time for me. I've got to learn more about myself, learn more about my word as a Christian and also learn more about what I want to do. But yeah, it's been really fun. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. I've actually quite enjoyed this time. Good. And also let's talk about, you know, you're obviously in year 13 uh, about to go into university um how you know how what's been the impact for you on, on that on the fact that you're not able to have exams yeah like that is weird as well because I think for me luckily for me because I was working pretty hard throughout year 12 and year 13 I know that I have something to fall back on and maybe they won't be the grades that I wanted but they will prob- they will hopefully all all things well will help me get into university, the university of my choice. But that isn't the case for everybody. And I know for a lot of people, it is quite irritating. I think it's irritating on two parts. If you've worked very, very hard to not get to prove yourself at the final point is a bit harsh. And of course, we understand why this rule was implemented. But at the same time, it does feel like you've been robbed of all the hard work. But on the flip side, if you're maybe trying to pull it out of the bag at the end, then it doesn't really serve you very well at all. And also if you go to schools where some teachers don't even see anything in you, they don't want the best for you. They don't really give you predicted grades that are actually very representative of your work as a student. Maybe they have unconscious biases against you. Then this doesn't work very well in your favour too. And then even for going into university, even that will be different. There'll be no freshers for me. Mm-hmm. And, it's a bit and we also, <laughs> it's, it's kind of yeah. sad. I was waiting for freshers to turn up. But, you know, <laughs> and um, we're going to have to have lectures online too. So that whole city vibe of I'm going to my lectures, cycling on my bike to go to my lecture theatre. Not going to have that anymore. We'll just be at home or in our accommodation, which is not the normal university experience. But I also won't complain. I think 
we are going to university and I know that everyone is doing as much as they can yeah. about it, but it is still, it's, it's weird. Like it just feels a bit, it feels a bit like in a dystopia at the moment. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And there's been loads of articles on the fact that predicted grades will negatively affect uh, black and ethnic minority students potentially more because of that unconscious bias that you, sp- you speak about. So yeah, it's a, it's a really big issue for our community. Um, So Jonas, let's get you back in the conversation. Tell me a bit about the impact of the corona outbreak and quarantine and lockdown on you personally. So because I work, I was off work the first part of the month. So then when, and I work in a school, so when the schools got shut down, I was like, wait a minute, how's this going to happen now? I was like, how's this going to happen now? And then I had a call with them and they said that, what we're going to do is that we have to go into work once a week and the rest of the days we work from home. So I'm a key worker. So something that my one of my boys, Lewis Howell's name, he said this. He said, essentially, and I said this in my speech also, we are all caterpillars that have been forced into cocoons. And we have a decision. If we're either going to be dead caterpillars, the same caterpillars that had a long nap, or butterflies. Mm. And... I've been working quite hard during quarantine, but when he said that, I was like, okay, I'm definitely using that again. I've used it <laughs> yes. twice now. So I said to myself, I have a golden opportunity now to build habits that will serve me in the future. So I've been waking up early, learning, trying to learn as much as possible from different sources. I'm just trying to get great habits right now. And the effect that it's had on other young people, I definitely feel that it's had a major effect, especially on the year levels. My peers in year 13, I'm lucky I left because I would be in the same boat as them. So I think it's had a toll on them, but some of them have still decided I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to start a clothing line. I'm going to do an online course. I'm going to make, I'm going to be a producer and make an online course. I'm going to make a school. And some people have started looking into trading and I'm really excited for those people, but I feel that we need to still support the ones that are struggling during this period because nobody can lie. It's just a tough period. You know, I think you make some really good points. This idea, both of you actually, about developing strong habits, developing a structured lifestyle, starting to pick up side hustles, projects, developing skills and developing your craft. Because ultimately, I think regardless of where we are in our journey, if you're a young person and you're about to go off to university, sixth form, college, uh, or you're coming out of university and about to go into the world of work, you don't want to have gaps on your journey that aren't explained by you doing something meaningful. So I think, you know, you're absolutely spot on. If you can start a business, start a business. If you can do an online course, do that uh, and, and, and build in those good habits, which are like, you know, if for you it's prayer and reading the word, if for you it's meditation, if it's exercise, like having that balanced lifestyle is, it's a really good opportunity. I don't want us to miss the, the opportunity also to talk about like mental health and the fact that actually, you know, we're seeing death, we're seeing doom and gloom and and there's lots of that at the moment. Both of you have talked about kind of um, taking time off things like social media and other things, you know, what else are you guys doing to keep your emotional resilience and mental well-being, you know, up and, and bolstered, Emma? I would say exercising, as cliche as it sounds, has actually been very helpful. I think sometimes having a physical release of like the mental trauma that is so rampant in this world is so important to have. And it's not just a thing of, oh, I'm just releasing 
like the pain is like it is good for you as well exercise has been proven scientifically to be good for you it's good for your body and so I'd say anyone who is feeling sort of stressed try out exercising I think I mentioned it before but try to stay off your phone as much as possible because we wouldn't be using our phones as much as we do normally and even I've had to set some restrictions on myself don't use my phone I think when you're on Instagram especially as a girl you go on the explore page you see all these pretty girls you feel depressed you don't look as nice as them and it's always been a thing but I think in the time of quarantine it's almost like there is nothing better to do and I get that I really do get that but if you can try to remove the temptation while it's there I think the last thing I would say is find something else to do like read because we all need to prioritize our mental health you can't work well if you're not in a proper mental state you can't expect to have good output if what you're inputting is going to be detrimental to you yeah absolutely I've got a couple other questions so both of you talked about mentorship well actually Jonas talked about mentorship but I know that Emma you have also done some mentoring programs yourself I want to pick up on this point because obviously success looks like you um, connect young people with mentors for six months and we cover careers education and business mentoring so I want you both to talk about like uh, the how has uh, mentoring impacted you and then also like what how do you go about finding a mentor or a mentoring program and how do you get the most of that relationship so both of you the impact of mentoring um how do you find a mentor and then how can you maximize that relationship once you have it yeah so mentoring I'm not gonna lie it changed my life because I could have gone down I was never going to join a gang or do anything illegal or smoke cigarettes or do drugs because I always thought in my head, I'm not doing that. I always thought, I always stuck to my, my integrity and my moral compass by not doing that. But first, my mentor from Urban Synergy, when he came in and met me, obviously I had no confidence at all. Once again, I put my hood up and just didn't show my face. And he told me, look, I'm not your dad. I'm your mentor. Let's talk man to man. What stuff do you enjoy? And I want to talk about one of the laws of success and it's the law of authenticity which is the fact that the greatest gift that you can offer someone is yourself. And when I was younger, I thought, what, what, what do you mean? What do you mean? What do you mean? You want to know about me? What do I have to offer? He said, Jonas, what like? I told him what I liked. I made, we actually made an agreement and he said, if you change your behavior in school, Jonas, I will buy you a PS4. Cause I wanted a PS4. I used to come home from school in year seven and eight and look at my PS4. Knowing I wasn't going to get it on my Amazon basket and knowing I wasn't going to order it either. And I was like, oh, man's getting me a PS4. And then a whole year later, I remember our last session, our last mentoring session, I opened the door and he always used to call me Mr. Andrew Phillips, even when I was a 14-year-old kid. And he always used to tell me, Jonas, that's a big name, you've got to live up to it. And he always used to call me Mr. Andrew Phillips. So I opened the door and he had the PS4 in hand and he was like, Mr. Andrew Phillips. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? I actually got a PS4. Then he said, every time you look, I'm looking at the PS4 right now. And he always told me, every time you look at that PS4, know that you made progress from your eight to year nine, your behavior, and that's going to stay consistent. And I was like, of course. So then I joined the 100 and that mentoring as well, just me putting in the effort there, making sure I'm taking myself out of that comfort zone so they know who I am, is the reason why I get on with quite a lot of mentors in the 100. And I see it as a family there. And it had an impact on me because me putting in that effort there made them think, we should give Jonas extra. Jonas, you want to see our events? Jonas, do you know about a nice concept? Like, and there's amazing people that successfully like you that do it also. And I'm always an advocate for mentoring 
it's just amazing to see and beautiful to see young people making progress because a lot of young people do say that there's no opportunities out there but they're just not exposed to it because there's tons of opportunities out there if you put the work in you look for it but looking for mentoring organizations successes like you urban synergy the 100 black men of london there's tons of them that will help us young people and i'm a huge advocate for mentoring amazing emma what's been the importance of mentoring for you and how did like how do you maximize the mentoring relationship i think my mentor from success looks like you was really helpful she helped me with coding and she actually she didn't just give me coding expertise she gave me a lot of life lessons as well so i think she was the person who asked me to code i think it was a calculator and I thought at first it was going to be an easy task and it was all right. But I just, I think being able to actually work on a project, like a small scale project like that was actually quite insightful for me because it made me think like, if I was going to do this for a company, I want it to be the best, right? So yeah. just things like that was actually very helpful. And then she also told me like, keep all the things that I write, like keep, keep all the code that I make in a folder. So when it's time to go for interviews, you have proof of your portfolio of work. And she even told me something that was really useful. She said, even if it doesn't work, keep it because you'll have something to look back at and say, I started off here. It didn't go great, but look, this is where I've come. And that's actually been very helpful for a lot of my projects. Like just being able to use recycled code or things that I didn't think were very useful before have actually been very useful in some of my larger scale projects. Yeah. And I think the importance of mentorship is that having someone who knows a lot more than you to guide you to get to where you want to be is so important. And I think in terms of finding a mentor, there are a lot of websites you can go to. I know so obviously you're talking to success looks like you. This is a great one for anybody who wants to get yes, guys. mentorship from like <laughs> only I'm gonna plug you guys. Yes, you're please. so good. It's a, it's really an amazing place to get um mentorship from an individual who's already in that career field that you want to get into. Mm. And there are a lot of others I know that are based in London or based around the UK that are looking specifically for BAME students or for students with like poorer backgrounds. So for anybody who's like maybe not the most advantaged person, there are so many mentorship schemes out there for you. You just have to look it up. Like I know at one point for myself, I was just like mentorship for technology women. I searched it up and there's actually quite a lot that you can do, especially at this age, at this time. Yeah. And so how how do you make sure you get the most of that mentoring relationships? So between you and your mentor, who was kind of driving it? How much energy did you bring to that relationship? And how did you make sure you got a lot out of it? I'm not going to lie to you. I think I was a person who drove it most, but I also feel like that will be the case with most mentorships that you have. I think if you as a mentee want to get the most out of the mentorship, you have to be the driver. I don't think your mentor is always going to check up on you. And although that would be nice, I think you, if you, if there's something you want out of it, you have to chase after it. If that makes sense. Mm. Like, don't leave it hanging. And I think for mentors, it's always important that you check up, you, you, you check up on your mentee. You make sure that they're doing well and you provide them with opportunities. But it's a two way thing. It's a two way relationship. And I always, I personally feel that as a mentee, you should want it a little bit more. Amazing. Um, let's bring the episode to a close. And I'm going to ask a question that I don't normally ask. So I'm going to give you a bit of time to think about it. So if I was to bump into you in 10 years time, you're both 28. What will the world know you for? Or what will your kind of part of the world know you for? And I'm going to get 
Jonas to go first and then Emma to close the show. I'd say they'd know me from the kid, the kid from South London that turns his life around and is positively impacting the world and empowering people. Mm, yeah, that's good. All right. Emma, 10 years time. Who are you and what does the world know you for? Um, in 10 years time, I will still be walking in my purpose. I want to be the girl who did that. I want to be the person who's revolutionized, who's revolutionizing tech, the use of tech. I want to be the person who is using sustainable resources for a benevolent reason. I want to be out here helping those who are homeless through the use of wearable technology. I want to revolutionize kind of materials we use for technology. I want to come up with really intelligent solutions. I also want to be the person who's inspiring other black girls like myself. I don't want to just be doing it. Mm, that is so good. And, you know, I wanted you both to speak that because I know that both of you are massive dreamers and I know that both of you believe in in purpose and that things will work out um, so that you are walking in the middle of your purpose. But now you have said it out loud. I've heard it. The people who are going to listen to this podcast will have heard it and the world will conspire in your favor to make that happen for you. So I, as far as I'm concerned, this episode for me is all about black excellence. You both give me such a hope in the younger generation and the fact that, um, yeah, we're good. And we've got people who are going to lead and steer this ship. And I know that so many people have been talking about, but you know, what does, what does the future look like for you guys with all the decisions that we're making that are sort of terrible for the world and, and that you're going to be living in. But I know that if there's a Jonas and an Emma in the world, then we're going to be good. So I'm definitely believing that both of your dreams will come true and obviously will be a massive supporter from from the sidelines of you both. And I just want to thank you for the time that you've taken to be on today's episode. You brought the fire, you brought the wisdom, you brought the gems. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you for having us.